Nevertheless, for David's sake, the Lord as God gave him a lamp in Jerusalem. Notice a lamp. Underline that word. By setting up his son after him, meaning Ab- or Solomon. Because after David was Solomon and now um, um, uh, Rehoboam was on the throne. Every creature's unique in the song that it sings. All exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful, untamable, all struck with. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. For David's sake, and in response to his faith, Abijam was allowed a spectacular victory over the encircling Israelites whom he had challenged for being even more apostate than he. This is an instance of God blessing the unworthy for the sake of the worthy. In the midst of his victory and good leadership for Judah, he never had the relationship with the Lord he should have had. God preserved the destiny of David in Jerusalem for the sake of David, not because of the character or quality of his descendants. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching already in progress did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and had not turned aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life, except for the matter of Uriah the Hittite. And there was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all the days of his life. And now the rest of the acts of Abijam and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? And there was war between Abijam and Jeroboam. And so Abijam rested with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David, and then Asa, his son, reigned in his stead. So nepotism was very uh, something that happened uh, a lot back in these times. It was a line of kings. And God told that, uh, the children of Israel, going way back in their history, that it would be through the line of Judah that, that ultimately David would come, and then ultimately where Jesus would come, through the line of Judah, fulfilling the prophecies of Jeremiah, or, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 49, verse 10, where the scepter won't depart from Judah, and, and, and also the uh, covenant that God had made with David in 2 Samuel chapter 7. All of these things add up. And in Isaiah chapter 11, you know, the, the stump from Jesse, all of these things all have their, their place in David and ultimately in Jesus Christ. But nepotism is a word that today when you use it, nobody likes the idea. But back in this time, God didn't have a problem with it. God doesn't have a problem with that. If the person's qualified and the person learns, they can. it doesn't matter who your father was. If you learn from your father's uh, mistakes, good are you if you learn from the mistakes and go forward and start walking with God. So in the 20th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Asa became king over Judah. And he reigned 41 years, that's a long time, in Jerusalem. And his grandmother's name was Maacah, the granddaughter of Abishalom, 
who was really Absalom. Whenever you see this word Abishalom, you saw it up in verse uh, 2 as well, and here in verse 10 as well, that means Absalom, David's third son. And so it says, Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, as did his father David. Notice the comparison again. And he banished the perverted persons from the land and removed all the idols that his father had made. Also, he removed Maacah, his grandmother, from being queen mother because she had made an obscene image of Asherah. And Asa cut down her obscene image and burned it in the brook Kidron, which is right to the uh, east of the Temple Mount today, the brook Kidron. But the high places were not removed. Nevertheless, Asa's heart was loyal to the Lord all of his days. He also brought into the house of the Lord the things which his father had dedicated and the things which he himself had dedicated, silver and gold and utensils. And no doubt these were things he had won from the wars uh, with the, um, that we'll find out here. And there was war between Asa and ba- uh, um, Baasha, king of Israel, all their days. And Baasha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah, that he might let no, none go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. And then Asa took all the silver and the gold that was left in the treasuries of the house of the Lord and the treasuries of the king's house, and he delivered them into the hand of his servants. And King Asa sent them to Ben-Hadad, the son of Tabramon, the son of Hezion, king of, king of Syria, who dwelt in Damascus, saying, Let there be a treaty between you and me, as there was between my father and your father. See, I have sent you a present of silver and gold. Come and break your treaty with Baasha, king of Israel, so that he will withdraw from me. And so Ben-Hadad heeded King Asa and, and, and sent the captains of his armies against the cities of Israel. And he attacked Aijan and Dan and abel beth Maacah and all Chinnereth and all the land of Naphtali. And now it happened when Baasha heard that he stopped building Ramah and remained in Tirzah. And then King Asa made a proclamation throughout all Judah, and none was exempted. And they took away the stones and the timber of Ramah, which Baasha had used for building, and with them King Asa built Geba of Benjamin and Mizpah, Now the rest of the acts of Asa, all his might and all that he did, and the cities which he built, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? But in the time of his old age, he was diseased in his feet. And so Asa rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David, his father. Then Jehoshaphat, his son, reigned in his place. Now, What's interesting here is uh, the very next person that's going to be the successor of the king of Judah, we know that Asa dies and his, his son Jehoshaphat is going to be the next in line. But we're not going to hear about Jehoshaphat until chapter, or excuse me, verse 14 of the very last chapter of 1 Kings. The reason for that is because after, uh, during Asa, uh, during his reign, there's going to be a, a series of kings of, of Israel that are going to take place. And so uh, between, and also uh, in addition to those five or six kings that we're going to read about over the next several pages, we're also going to see the ministries and the lives of Elijah the prophet and his successor, Elisha the prophet, and their um, interaction with Ahab, king of Israel. And so that's going to basically consume the next several chapters until chapter 22, verse 14, I believe it is, where we finally pick up with 
this next king of Judah. And so, uh, let's go back and take a look at verse 1. Notice it says, and I would encourage you to write in your Bibles, uh, if you don't have it there already, there is a parallel portion to this in Second Chronicles chapter 13 through 14, verse 1. Uh, and so as we read of this uh, life of Abijam down through verse 8, you can um, uh, look at Second Chronicles 13 through 14, verse 1, and it fills in some of the blanks, some more details. And something you need to know about First and Second Chronicles is that you're not going to find much at all about the kings of Israel in First and Second Chronicles because uh, the Bible doesn't really... Um, Number one, those books haven't been found, but the overall tenor of the Bible is about, about the line of Judah to David and then to Jesus. And so the, the, those who uh, canonize the Bible and the books, um, certainly the, the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah are here for very good reason, but the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel are not available. God doesn't concern himself with the kings of of Israel because they were all wicked, every single one of them. So he focuses on the kings of Judah, and that's all First and Second Chronicles is about, is the kings of Judah, those southern two tribes. And the only, only time you might see a, a king's name from the northern ten tribes pop in is just by way of reference, but there's nothing about their lives. Um, so just understand that, that First and Second Chronicles are all about the kings of Judah, Okay. So notice, going back in verse 1 here, it says, In the 18th year of King Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, Abijam, became king over Judah. And his name is also called Abijah. So as you read Chronicles, Second uh, Chronicles 13, for instance, you're going to see the name, and it's going to uh, be uh, spelled Abijah instead of Abijam. Okay? Don't let that throw you again. In the Bible, there's a number of name changes and different variants of spellings of different names. And just a little bit of um, looking into these things, you become aware of that. Okay, And so Abijah or Abijam, they all are synonymous. He reigned from 913 until 910 B.C. before Christ, so a very short time. It tells us in verse 2 that he reigned three years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Maacah, the granddaughter of Abishalom, who we know is Absalom. Yes, the Absalom that is David's son. His third son was Absalom. Remember the one that was killed in the, in the forest that Joab killed, and the rest of them took care of him as well. But notice that this Abijam, verse 3, that he walked in all the sins of his father, which he had done before him, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God. The word Lord there is Jehovah. Never forget that, because we serve one God. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they are all one, but it's one God, but yet three persons. He walked in all the sins of his father. And what a horrible thing, if you think about it, to walk in the sins of your father. When you see the results of your father's life, uh, hopefully we learn from mistakes and pain. And uh, it's important to do that. You know, that, that's what I hope for my life as, I, as my wife and I raise our daughter, you know, to tell her. We're very honest with her about the mistakes that we have made in our life, and especially at her age. Isn't it a joy and a, a privilege and a blessing to be able to share with your kids and be open that, that open with them and that candid about your own mistakes? 
because I want her to, to not live the way I lived. When I was her age, I was doing all kinds of evil things. But she knows the Lord, and she's only 15. She knew the Lord when she was three years old. She prayed on our couch and asked Jesus into her heart. She's much further along than I was. I don't even know who Jesus was. I thought he was a swear word when I was 15. And now my daughter has just so much knowledge of God. And, and, and as time goes on, she's going to grow into it. You know, sort of like a man who buys an extra, extra, extra large shirt and then he has to eat a lot to fill into it, right? Which I'm, on, I'm well on my way, by the way. But not to learn from somebody who's gone through something is one of the worst tragedies. It really is. And even as an adult, I want to learn. I want to learn. I want to grow. Do you still want to grow? Do you still want to learn from the things that we're reading here? Because there's a lot of lessons here. And as we go through the Bible, it's always knocking on the door of my heart. Are you willing? Regardless of your age, I don't care how old you are. We always need to be in that place of being submitted to the Word of God and let Him continually challenge us because usually as the older we get, we're like, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, you know, that whole attitude. But the thing is, is God, He is Emmanuel. He's God with us. He wants to continue to teach us to the very last moment when we take our very last breath. He doesn't want us to just rest on our laurels or, or rest on the things of the past and, you know, and, and, you know, you've gotten this far and you're going no further. You know, there's a lot of older Christians that have gotten to this place where they're like, I've gotten to where I'm just going to peace out and, and I'm going to level out right here. And God's going, why do that? <laughs> what are you doing? There's no leveling out and just kind of staying at a plateau. Believe me, if you think you're on a plateau, you're going to start dipping it's going to start to dip eventually because if you're not, just like a marriage, if you're not working on that relationship, it's going to start to die. It's going to start to fatigue. It's going to start to atrophy and things are going to start falling off and things aren't going to be going well for you. I would encourage you, regardless of your age, to press in now more than ever before in the history of our country, in the history of the church. Now is the time, Christians, brothers and sisters, loved ones, now is the time for us to get into the game and get into it seriously. God is pleading with us. As you look around, doesn't it spur your heart into wanting to walk a more holy life? To walk a life that pleases him? To be an example? And instead of getting angry and shouting and yelling at people on Twitter, isn't it so much better just to love them? And not add fuel to the fire? Anybody can do that. Ah, but it takes a very strong Christian to hold their speech. Sometimes we do need to be vocal, but you can be vocal in a loving way. Did you know that? And that's a gift that I pray that we all get. We have to be vocal, but we have to do it the right way. And when you do it the right way, people who are receiving it know. They know the difference because they don't see some self-righteous hypocrite yelling at them. They see somebody who's really loving them and concerned about them. And that's why we need to pray about our own hearts before we share with people. Because otherwise, they can take it the wrong way. And yes, the delivery is everything. Because if I come across like I've got it all together and you're lower than me, <laughs> sorry, but you, know, you just haven't reached the plateaus that I've you know, scaled, you know, they're going to be like, I don't want anything to do with this person. Who's going to respond to a fool like that? 
Ah, but when we go to them with a tear in our eye and say, you know, I want to tell you something, and it's hurting me to tell you, but I need to tell you because I'm struggling with it myself. But here's the deal. This is what the Bible says. This is what I'm seeing. This is what you said. This is what you did. How you hurt me. I need to tell you the truth. Oh, how different the world would be. But he walked in the sins of his father, which he had done before him, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was, again, notice the comparison here to David, the benchmark. I mean, obviously the benchmark is really Jesus Christ, but the root of, of, of Jesse, David, he's going to be the one that God is going to be continually pointing to. Hey, do you guys have a heart like this? You have a heart like this? Kings of Judah, as you grow up and as you come into your reign, did you know about David? Have you read about him? Have you, did you know of his heart? Have you read the Psalms of David and how he was broken in pieces over his sin? And you read Psalm 32 and you read Psalm 51 and you read these other Psalms of his and even the imprecatory Psalms where he's really given somebody the business. Lord, break their teeth. Kick their teeth in, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I love imprecatory psalms, by the way. Sometimes I think my my prayers are imprecatory. But David... Nevertheless, for David's sake, the Lord as God gave him a lamp in Jerusalem. Notice a lamp. Underline that word. By setting up his son after him, meaning Solomon. Because after David was Solomon, and now... um, um, Uh, Rehoboam was on the throne. Now, one thing that you're not going to see in this chapter, and um, I'm going to read it to you, but I will have you write down on your in your Bible somewhere. Write down Second Chronicles, chapter thirteen, verses four through twenty-two, and I'm going to read them to you. You don't have to go there, but write that down right around this verse because. There's something that happened in Abijam's ministry, or in his reign, I should say, that's not recorded for us in Kings, but it is recorded in the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah, and I think it's worth looking at, So, um, because we're going to see that there was a battle between Jeroboam, the king of the northern ten tribes, and Abijam, this king of the southern two tribes, and, um, and they had war with one another. And Jeroboam, the ungodly king in the north, he had twice as many men, literally roughly 800,000 men versus Abijam's 400,000. And notice the speech. In spite of what we've already read about Abijam and how he, he, um, uh, that he continued, he walked in the sins of his father. But notice something that you will find in Second Chronicles you won't find here. And it's a really wonderful thing. Let me read it to you. It says, Then Abijah, he stood on Mount um, Zemaraim, which is in the mountains of Ephraim. And and here he's going to war with Jeroboam, the the king of the northern ten tribes. And he says, Hear me, Jeroboam, and all Jerusalem, or in all Israel, excuse me. Should you not know that the Lord God of Israel gave the dominion over Israel to David forever? And that's a true statement. To him and his sons, that's a true statement, by a covenant of salt. And yet Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, the servant of Solomon, the son of David, rose up and rebelled against his Lord. And then worthless rogues gathered to him and strengthened him themselves against Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. And when Rehoboam was young and inexperienced, it could not withstand them. 
And now you think to withstand the kingdom of the Lord, which is in the hand of the sons of David, and you are a great multitude. And with you are golden calves, which Jeroboam made for you as gods. Have you not cast out the priests of the Lord, the sons of Aaron and the Levites, and made for yourselves priests like the the peoples of other lands, to that who that whoever comes to consecrate himself with a young bull and seven rams may be a priest of things that are not of God's? And you know, as you hear what this man, Abijam, who is saying, regardless of him not following you know, David and actually doing evil things, and you, you look at what this man is saying, and you're like, that's right on, man. Keep going. So I will. Let's go. <laughs> so, But as for us, the Lord is our God, he says. And we have not forsaken him, and, and yet he did. But And the priests who minister to the Lord are the sons of Aaron, and the Levites attended their duties, and they, they burned to the Lord every morning and every evening burnt sacrifice and sweet incense. And they also set the showbread in order on the, the pure uh, gold table and the lampstand of gold with its lamps to burn every evening. For we keep the command of the Lord our God, but you have forsaken him. That's kind of like the pot calling the kettle black, but just go along with it for now. O children of Israel, do not fight against the Lord God of your fathers, for you shall not prosper. And in that he was saying correctly. You're not going to prosper against God. But in verse 13 it says, But Jeroboam caused an ambush to go around behind them. So they were in front of Judah, and the ambush was behind them. And when Judah looked around, to their surprise, the battle line was at both the rear and in the front. And they cried, notice this, and they cried out to the Lord, and they, the priests sounded the trumpets. And then the men of Judah gave a shout as the men of Judah shouted. It happened that God struck Jeroboam and all Israel before Abijah and Judah. And the children of Israel, the northern ten tribes, they fled before Judah, and God delivered them into their hand. And then Abijah and his people struck them with a great slaughter. So 500,000 choice men of Israel fell slain. And here's the verse. Thus, the children of Israel were subdued at that time, and the children of Judah prevailed because they relied on the Lord God of their fathers. Isn't that amazing? I find that amazing. Even though Abijah was already involved in idolatry and continuing down that road, finally he gets up the chutzpah and stands on top of the mountain in front of Jeroboam and all the, the, the Israel, the northern ten tribes, their armies, and he gives this speech. He's belting it out and he's giving this speech, which is all good. And God's going, I like it. Your heart's not quite there, but what you're saying is true. And I'm going to deliver you. And we're going to look at why I believe God did that. In fact, why did God deliver Abijam and Judah from Israel? Did they deserve it at this time? No, they didn't. Abijam didn't deserve it, neither did the people. Because we see that in the very first few verses of chapter 15, that they did evil in the sight of the Lord. But Abijam was inspired, obviously led by the Lord, and God heard the prayer, heard the speech, and he delivered them. So why did God do this? I believe it's because God is a God of grace. <laughs> and I also believe it's because God had uh, made promises to David and to Solomon that he would not break. God is a promise keeper, the real promise keeper. He is the only promise keeper. I break promises. In fact, I've learned not to even make promises to God, especially because I can't, I'm not capable of keeping them. 
I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.